0: My name is Elsie. Um, once I became into probably when I was about 14, my dad, he uh, started becoming mentally ill. Uh, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and manic bipolar and depression. It was really hard on me. And so I I started to drink and I was drinking for probably about four to five years. And I kept waking up um, and I was noticing things that weren't right. Um, my dad, he started talking to me weird and he started becoming really weird towards me and I was, I was scared. I stopped drinking because I didn't want to keep going to sleep because I knew he was raping me in my sleep. After a year and a half worth of him doing these things to me, all of a sudden my dad felt bad and he told my mother what he was doing and he called the cops on himself. After, when he was put away, the pain was so bad. I just, I couldn't even handle all the chaos. It completely, it destroyed my mother and father's marriage. It ruined my life. I couldn't stop having dreams of what happened to me. I I started using methamphetamine to cope with it to numb my pain. I uh, moved in with this guy at the age of 19 after when my father went to jail and uh, it was an abusive relationship. The abuse was getting so bad, um, uh, I finally decided to defend myself. Um, And then I was uh, put into jail because he called the police on me and I was going to face a year in prison um, for a felony aggravated battery. I felt like I did encounter God when I was in jail because he was saying, Elsie, I felt like he told me, what are you doing? You know, you're wasting all these years. You're holding in all this bitterness. I was put on probation. I was released after two weeks. And I, if I went into the program of Teen Challenge, that I would not have an aggravated battery felony on my record, that I would only have a misdemeanor assault. But. I, you know, I'm so glad that I was put into Teen Challenge because it changed my life. It was so incredible and getting to know God in the Bible, it's such a good thing that I'm here. I have a lot of hope for my future. Um, I've already been six months into my recovery and I never thought I could I never thought I could do that. I'm just trying to do what God wants me to do each and every day. I know that things are gonna be better for Having him come into my life.
1: Wow. There is absolutely nothing that God cannot get you through. Amen. I'm so inspired and moved by Elsie's story. I loved how she said, I have hope from my future. I think if someone uh, were to visit her when she was in jail, And all the trauma that she went through, they would not say she's going to be an overcomer and she's going to have uh, everlasting joy. And to see her today, Elsa, you just brought so much encouragement and strength to the rest of the church family. And so thank you so much for doing what you're doing. We're so proud of you, whether you're here online today. Elsie, man, so so amazing. In fact, if you don't know uh, the ministry of Teen Challenge, it's in Graham, Washington. It's like, I don't know, 40 minutes from here. On May 2nd, three weeks from today, there'll be about 16 uh, ladies that are going to be with us, and they're going to be sharing their stories of overcoming. You don't want to miss it, especially if you like raw, authentic, like this is what happened, this is why I am, and this is what God is doing in my life. It's so real. It's so powerful we support them financially we love them and they're part of our church family They're going to be with us soon so don't miss that day all right Good things are happening. Last week, we had a good Friday service. We had Easter gatherings. They were fantastic. This week, I looked on the uh, weather. It said it's going to be 77, 78 degrees next weekend. So uh, you're going to enjoy that after church. You're going to enjoy that weather. And um, I love this. On Friday night man camp is happening. Rick Enlow is going to come. Not only is he a super inspirational speaker, um, but he really helps you to laugh and just enjoy your life and let God speak to you through that midst. Um, all the meals, all the activities, all paid for, guys, if you're looking for an opportunity to come and make some friends, some of you are looking for friends, some of you don't know it, but you need some new friends, all right, and uh, Friday and Saturday is going to be that, and then Rick's going to stick around, he's going to speak the weekend, uh, Sunday morning for us as well uh, next week, so all that's coming up, there's also life groups coming up, and so there's a table out in the lobby, there's a booklet there, there's Financial Peace University, you can do it online through Zoom, Uh, there's new life groups, there's a new one in Horizon Point, like half the church lives near Horizon Point, and all sorts of other things going on, so check out uh, the life group table if you want to get connected, all right, Cool. If you have a Bible today, Mark chapter 5 is where we're going to be, and we've entitled this message, Life Restored Part 2. So last week was Life Restored, and Jesus obviously resurrected from the dead, so today we're going to talk about Life Restored Part 2. So last week, uh, we used the car. This week, we're going to use a house. This is a kitchen. Ladies, you need a, a ki- if you think you need a new kitchen, look at this. Now, are you sure you need a new kitchen? This is a house. In New York, it's not even in New York City, but it was listed for a million dollars. Million dollars for that house, and uh, that's the kitchen. Some of you think you know, that looks kind of bad. This is the bathroom. I just want to ask a question: How many of you would take a bath in this bathtub for a hundred dollars? A thousand dollars? If you would take a bath there for a thousand dollars, let me see your hands. There's about twelve uh, crazy fun people out there. You, I like you guys. You're fun. For me, it'd be about a million dollars because I'm a snob when it comes to things like that. Now, now this is the house. Uh, this house, it went down to $828,000. So if you're looking for a deal, you might want to check that out. All right, so now let's see. Uh, uh, now, that's a nice bathroom, isn't that? That's that's, that's a good-looking remodeled bathroom right there. Um, I would pay $100 for that bathroom to take a bath there. And then the second one, the next one, um, look at this kitchen. That would probably work for most of us to have something like that. Listen, here's the cool thing. When Jesus comes into your life, he restores your life. He takes what has been abandoned, what has been broken down. Listen, he takes the filth of your life, and he restores it and makes you New. That is good news. That's who he is. He renews us in our lives. He takes what is broken and heals it, and things come to life because he's a part of things. Well, today we're going to read about Mark chapter 5 in a story. Um, really, it could be called the story of three interruptions because everywhere Jesus went, he was interrupted. Everywhere. I mean, no matter what room he walked into, somebody needed him. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this um, this story of three interruptions and life being restored to several people. Here we go. So Mark chapter 5, verse 21. In fact, I'm going to do this. Can we stand for the reading of God's words today? We don't do this all the time, but could we just take a moment and just uh, honor the reading of God's word? There's a significant passage I want to read. And if you're at home, you can figure that out as well, right? Mark 5, 21. Here we go. Jesus got into the boat again, and he went back to the other side of the lake. Where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him My little daughter is dying. He said, Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will, and heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, uh, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors over the years, and she had spent everything that she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she went up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed from her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and she told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him this Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them, and he said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except for Peter, James, and John. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion, weeping and wailing. And he went inside and he asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, and, but he made all of them leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples. And he went into the room where the little girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, "Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. Let's pray. Lord, help us have ears to hear what you want to say to us. And let there be an anointing that is far beyond mankind, but comes from the Holy Spirit. And God, limit the distractions today. So we might focus in on what you're trying to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated if you're here live. If you are online, I want to encourage you, take notes. If you're watching online, there are so many distractions around you. It really helps to take notes while you are um, participating in the gathering. All right? Let's talk for a moment about the setting. If we were to back up a little bit, it's so fascinating. In Mark chapter 4, um, it says this in verse 35, as it became evening, Jesus said, hey, let's, let's, uh, let's cross the other side of the lake. And so they got in the boat and they crossed the other side of the lake. And that's the story where Jesus is asleep in the boat. And we think maybe it's because he's like, you know, wanting to test them because they freak out of the storm and you know, they have to wake him up. I think Jesus is exhausted because everywhere he goes, somebody needs something from him, Right. And so Jesus gets up, and he calms the storm. So that's, that's this one moment. They leave the side of the, the lake. They go to the other side. Then if you're reading in chapter 5, it says they arrived at the other side of the lake, and that's where the man who's got the legion of demons in him, and Jesus delivers him from demons. So they get to that side of the lake, and Jesus does this miracle in his life. And when the people see that guy sane in his own mind, it freaks them out, and they ask Jesus to leave. So verse uh, 21, it says, Jesus got in the boat again, and he went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered. Crowds everywhere, and Jesus is kind of going back and forth. Does anybody feel like, Jesus, what are we doing? Why do we get in the boat and come here, only turn around and go back here? And maybe if you're a part of his ministry, you're like, we're just going bouncing around all over the place. Let me tell you something. I think Jesus realized something, and if you're retired or retiring, I think you need to re- really hear this. I think Jesus' followers began to understand that wherever there were people, that was their mission and their purpose. You don't get to the end of your life I'm going, I'm to have lots of significance with stuff. It's about relationships. It's about people. And I think wherever that boat stopped, as long as there was people there for them to minister to, they were in the right place. It didn't matter if they were zigzagging around that lake. Maybe it's not the most efficient way to do it, but they realized people are what matters. And if Jesus is leading us to a crowd of people, we'll minister there too. Wherever there is people, that's where we're going to serve and serve the Lord together. It says this, that the man that was there lived amongst the graves. And he would cut himself and he was um, impacted with many, many demons. According to Jewish law, um, if you came in contact with graves or blood or death, this made you ceremonially unclean. Now, I don't know if you were listening, but Jesus just hit the trifecta, right? He's with the guy that's living among graves. He's touching this woman with the issue of blood, and then he's going to find the dead girl. Like, he just kind of hit a home run if that's what he was looking for, right? And I think Mark wants the readers to know that Jesus, both in action and word, declares this, that people are more important than the Jewish ceremonial laws. Jesus did not take away the moral laws, but he took away the ceremonial laws, and he said it's about people it's about changed lives now watch this everywhere Jesus goes there's another crowd i think i would get tired of this after a while every time he steps off the boat there's a crowd waiting every new city he walks in there's a new crowd waiting even when he's just on the boat with the disciples somebody's got a problem right and if it were me like i would i would be like go to town and go oh all these heavy pressing needs weigh me down I'd be looking for the kid who's like coming up going, teacher, my cat had a cold. I'd be like, hallelujah, let's deal with this one for a while, right? But Jesus is in with heavy needs everywhere he goes. When does it actually stop for Jesus? When does he get a break? You know, the reality is this, that even Jesus stopped, he hid himself, he rested, and he prayed. He was confined to a human body, even though he was a living God. And so are you. And so guess what? You need to take time to rest, replenish and pray in your life. And probably you don't do it very well. Mark one thirty-five. I highlighted it many, many years ago. It says, before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to the isolated place to pray. You gotta get creative sometimes to get alone and get rest and replenished and spend time with God. Listen, you have a human body, and your body needs sleep. You may not want to admit that, but your body needs rest. Your body needs fuel. We call that food. Your body needs hydration. We call that water. And don't think that somehow these rules don't apply to you or that Jesus needed rest, but you don't. You need to rest and replenish as well. So Jesus gets off the boat, and there's another crowd, another people wanting him. And it says this, that there was a man named Jairus there. He was not a priest, but he's a synagogue ruler, so he takes care of the building and supervises the worship. And it says this, as Jesus is teaching on the shore, That he actually runs in the middle of it, throws himself down in front of Jesus and and begs him to come and heal his daughter. Now, what are you thinking right now? I'm thinking this. Where is security? Right? Where are the ushers? I mean, Jesus is in the middle of this sermon. He's teaching people things that are going to change their lives. And this guy breaks through it and and throws himself down in, in front of him. I think perhaps security knows Jairus because he's the synagogue ruler. I think perhaps Jairus has that look in his eye like you can try to stop me but it's going to come to blows. And I think Jairus is like I don't care that it's rude cuz I got a little girl who's barely breathing. And he comes to the crowd and he throws himself in front of the teacher the healer and what they would soon know to be the savior of the world. Let me give you point number one if you're taking notes. This is important. Some things are worth being desperate for. Think about that. Some things are just worth being desperate for. You may be like, I don't want to ever be called desperate. I don't ever want to feel desperate. I don't ever want to look desperate. Let me tell you what. This story reminds us there are things in life that are worth being desperate for. And if you're desperate for the Lord in your life, you're probably a healthier individual. And if you're desperate for your family, and if you're desperate for changes in your life, when you know you need changes, that's healthy. I think sometimes we, we've, we've got this messed up where we think I don't want to be desperate. I just want to, you know, stay even keeled. You know, make sure things are going okay. I think sometimes the Lord is like, I'd like to see you desperate. I'd like to see you race to the altar. I'd like to see you hungry for a change in your life. And these these people, Jairus, he's like, I don't care what you think of me. I am desperate. And there are some things in life worth being desperate for. Luke describes it like this. He says, A man named Jairus, a synagogue ruler, came and he felt Jesus' feet. And he was pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. Jesus, Jairus ran to Jesus for the sake of his family. Jairus was desperate that his daughter would encounter the Savior, the healer. It led him to action. You can almost kind of picture in his mind, I don't care how rude it may seem or what you people may think of me. My little girl's fever has driven her delirious. I need a miracle. I'm her daddy, and I'm going to do everything within my power to make this happen. Let me ask you a question. What do you think is worth being desperate for? What do you personally think in your life? What's, What's worth being desperate for for you? Sometimes you have to be in jail and they have to say, hey, you can take this this class called Teen's Challenge, it's a faith-based recovering thing, or or you can stay here in jail. You get desperate. Someday you look at your life and you look in the mirror and you go, what happened to me? I don't like where I am. And you have to get desperate or you're not getting out, you're not getting changed. Jesus met Jairus because Jairus acted. He did something. What do you think in your life is worth being desperate for? What if Jairus, the ruler, had told others, you know, you should, you should love your family, but he didn't himself. No, he was desperate. And Jesus stops the whole teaching right there on the shore, and he heads out with Jairus, and the whole crowd is in tow. And I'm sure there's people going door to door going, hey, Jairus just came, and Jesus is on his way to the synagogue ruler's house. Like, you need to come. You need to be a part of this. This is going to be amazing. Come on, come on. I don't want to miss this. And the crowd gets bigger and bigger as they, as they go to his house. I wonder what Jesus talks with Jairus about on the way there. Like you're walking with a guy who's desperate and crying and, and messed up. And you're walking like, what, what you don't talk about the weather and the mariners, right? What do you say to a guy in that situation? You don't say, is she allergic to any medications? Does she, you know, like, has she been around anybody with COVID recently? You know, you, what do you, what, that's what they say today. What do you say? And they're on their way to that house. And then eruption number three happens, right? First you got the demon possessed guy interrupts. Then you got Jairus interrupts the teaching. Now there's another interruption. And Jesus is like, this is my life right? Like a mom with eight kids, this is my life, an interruption again, right? And this time, a woman comes, interrupts the whole entourage, but she tries to do it discreetly. She tries to do it on the down low. Enter the woman who planned to get to Jesus on the shore. She's looking for him while he's teaching, but now she's following him, fighting through the crowd. I didn't know I was going to be walking that way maybe it's actually an opportunity for her because there's a crowd and it might be easier to get in while he's walking the bible says she suffered for 12 years and the best doctors that money could buy could not help her because of her ceremonial uncleanness she approached jesus anonymously she was thinking man this is going to have to be like a quick run by healing right <laughs> i got to make the touch and get away right i got to make it happen Touch his clothes and quickly get away And imagine as she closes in on Jesus, 50 feet, 40 feet, you know, she gets within 10 feet, 5 feet. She's so close, she can almost stretch out his hand, and and she's looking at the other people crowded around, and she's trying to get through and and do it anonymously. And she has no idea what Jairus is really feeling. She just knows this is her chance, and she's also desperate. She's desperate, 12 years. She can't even live, live her life in that society. She can't even go places. Of course, she would say, Jesus, don't stop for me. I don't want attention. I don't want people to know my condition. I don't want to slow down the mission that you're on. I just want so bad to get my life back. Imagine her fingers stretching out, and the moment they touch the healer, and power goes out from him. Let me just uh, contrast these figures for a moment. Jairus, he's a visible member of the community. He's a synagogue ruler. Probably everybody knew who he was, but the woman, she's anonymous. Jairus was wealthy. The woman had spent all of her money, now she's in poverty. Jairus was the leader of the synagogue, and because of her condition, the woman wasn't even allowed to go to or go in the synagogue. For 12 years, his daughter brought joy and laughter to his house. For 12 years, her house was filled with misery and despair. Contrasting lives, but one thing in common: both of them were desperate for the touch of God, for the presence and the power of the Lord in their lives. I wonder if we need to be more desperate for the presence and the power of the Lord in our lives. Listen, your life might be filled with, with like joy and laughter, but we live in a fallen world, and you have no idea what tomorrow holds. Or your life might be the opposite. You might be filled with misery right now, but we serve a risen savior, and you have no idea what tomorrow may hold. Wow. Listen, sometimes things are worth being desperate for. If you're a young person today and you don't like attention on you, I'm just going to tell you right now, there's going to be a time in your life where you're going to have to just get desperate and not care what people think. Just do it. Just do it. The moment she touched him, she knew she was healed, and Jesus' new power had gone out from him. Some things are worth being desperate for. Point number two is this. When things go wrong, do what's right. Things go wrong in life on a regular basis. But when things go wrong, what do you do? You do what is right. You do what pleases the Lord. It's the same thing you do when circumstances are good. Circumstances are good, please the Lord, do what's right. Circumstances are bad, please the Lord, and do what's right. There's an interruption in the story. Jesus has stopped Mark says that he turned and started asking questions about who got close to him, who touched him. And the disciples are like, how can you ask that question? There's a lot of people rubbing shoulders with us. But Jesus stops. And when he stops, Jairus is doing one of these. Jesus, my daughter's got minutes, seconds. She might have already died for all I know. You can't stop. You can't stop and ask weird questions about who touched you. We're on a mission here. It's about me right now, right? And I'm desperate for you. To Jairus, time was of the essence, and the woman's issue, it was a hindrance. But Jesus saw her interruption differently. Listen, the most important moment of your day today may not be on your schedule. Do you realize that? The most important moment of your day today may not be on your schedule, and likely it's not. There may be a divine appointment tomorrow that you have no idea is coming. It's called an interruption, and God can use you greatly in it. One of my mentors said, my interruptions are my ministry. For Jesus, interruptions happened all the time, and he ministered where he could, and he rested when he could. Jesus and his disciples were once again struck between pressing needs, preventing an impending death or helping a woman whose life had been stolen from her and she lived now in isolation. And Jesus does something that's hard for us to do and hard for us to understand, hard for us to balance. And I hope the men of God hear this today. Jesus displayed power and compassion at the same time. Like, what is a real man of God? Like, he is a man of power and presence. Like, Jesus is is, is the most powerful, right? Power and compassion in the same person. That's who we want to be. I hope that men of God can do that. I hope that this weekend we, we sense more of that in many men of God in this church. Power and compassion at the same time. Jesus wanted her to know that her faith had made her well. She, he didn't want her to believe in superstition. and This is like touching things. So, so he wanted to make her understand it's about your faith. So trembling before Jesus, he says to her, Shalom, literally go in peace. You are made complete. Your faith in the Son of God has healed you. By the way, some of you, when Jesus said, Who touched me? And you knew it was you, you would have kept on running. Anybody want to admit that? Yeah, I, 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 even if it's Jesus, I ain't turned around admitting that I'm the one that needed the healing, Right? She was courageous. She turned and came to him. She needed healing and received it. And Jesus says, it's not, a, it's not a, somehow some superstition. This is the power of God, and your faith has healed you. What a moment for this woman. But then Jairus looks up, and Luke describes it in a way that perhaps it was helpful for understanding. It says this, while Jairus was still speaking, someone came from the house, or while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and they said, your daughter is dead, so don't bother the teacher anymore. You interrupted uh, the, the healer, but she's now dead, and so there's no point. Imagine Jairus seeing them coming. It's almost like someone looking out their door when their son is serving in the armed forces and seeing that flag And that chaplain coming up their door. You don't want to see that coming. He's desperate, crying for his little girl. No, please, God, no. Here's what's so powerful. Point number three. That which is beyond you is not beyond Jesus. There's a lot of things that are beyond you. Are you willing to admit that? There's there's things that are beyond me every single day, but that which is beyond you is not beyond Jesus. Thank God for that. What's over in our minds isn't always over in God's perspective. To the people, she was dead, and she was. But to Jesus, she was only asleep. And Jesus looks at Jairus and says, are you you still with me? Yeah, I'm still with you, but didn't you hear? My only child stopped breathing in the last 20 minutes. And Jesus says, no, you, you stay with me. They get to the house, and the Bible says there's mourners. In that culture, a lack of weeping, a lack of wailing was a sign of disgrace and disrespect. Man, if someone dies, there needs to be some crying and some upsetness. And if there's not, then we're going to hire professional mourners to make sure there's adequate mourning around the life of someone who dies, especially a child. How many of you like weep on the inside? Come on, be honest. Yeah, the same people that don't want to raise their hands in church, right? Okay, some of you. Right, we're just not emotional out front, and so people don't always see it. And imagine maybe that mom, she's, she's, she's got her head in her hands and she's not crying, but she is broken. And so there's a group of people that have shown up at the house and they are doing the mourning for the family. They're actually even hired to some of their jobs to go and mourn and mourn uh, respectfully um, for those who have lost someone. And Jesus gets there and he's like, what's going on? Why all the commotion? You guys aren't seeing this Clearly. Jesus sent everyone out except for Peter, James, and John, and mom and dad. Now, I think this is important to stop and, and let's put on the screen. Those closest to Jesus were privileged to see the miraculous. Peter, James, and John were there at the transfiguration where, where Jesus takes them up on a mountainside, and they, like, see him not in human form, but they see him, like, in this glorious state of who he is as a son of God. And he says, oh, by the way, don't tell anybody. Like, Peter, James, and John are probably like, dude, you asleep what the heck was that? Like, that was powerful, right? They're the only ones that got to see it. Do you know that the people closest to Jesus were privileged to see things like this, like this little girl who's dead stand up? I want to tell you something. A lot of people say things like, I like, I want to see more miracles. You go, do you read your Bible? No, I want to see more miracles. Are you praying for people? No, but I want to see more miracles. Like, like, where is your faith? The people who are pressing in, they're the ones seeing the miracles, The people are out there in the mission field. They're seeing demons come out of people. And they're like, I don't see enough, you know, miracles around here, boss. You know, I didn't say that last service. That was kind of fun. I just wonder if God's just kind of like, you want to see some miracles? Get active. Do something. Serve. Go. Pray. Be be spontaneous. Be spirit-led. The people are pressing into God. They're seeing things that many people aren't. And we're talking about the church now. Wow. Even death is not the end. Praise God for that. Listen, whatever um, your hope is, sometimes we see that miracle happen in the life and sometimes we don't. I like to say this, healing happens all the time. A lot of the times it happens in heaven. Sometimes healing happens on this side of heaven's doors. And that's really fun. But you and I, we got a lot of friends and family that have gone on to heaven and they are healed. And I do like it when it splashes into today. I think that's pretty amazing. But had this story not ended well, Jairus still would have done what he could, whatever he could. Isn't it difficult to know what is your responsibility? Isn't it hard to do what what only you can do and then leave the results to God? Isn't that difficult? I tried being the Holy Spirit once. It did not work out well. And you know how dumb I am is I try to do it again and again. And sometimes I have to stop and go, what am I doing? I'm not God. I can't do this. I'll, I can pray. I can love. I can serve. But I can't heal anyone. I haven't saved anybody. I've been a pastor for 23 years. I haven't saved anybody. I haven't died on the cross and rose again from one single person. Right? There's some things that only God can do. So we have to understand what our role is, what we have the power to change, and then we have to go out and do it and leave the results to the Lord. It's harder to, to do than it is to say. Jairus is challenged to believe. In the presence of Jairus, the woman was commended for her faith. She was healed while she slowed down the entourage. Now in her presence, Jairus was told to have faith as they continued to the house, where Jesus then made everybody leave except for five people, Peter, James, John, Mom, and Dad. As they entered that room, And what's over in our minds isn't always over from God's perspective. Here's what the scripture says. He took her by the hand and he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. I like the way that this one says it. Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. I would say that, but somebody would probably say that sexist or something, so I'm not going to say it that way. Little girl, innocent 12-year-old girl, stand to your feet. the presence and the power and healing of God is here in your room what a moment for the mom what a moment for the dad the Bible says immediately the girl stood up and she began to walk around she was 12 years old some of you moms be like honey sit down honey sit down you can't get up and walk. you've been dead for like an hour okay (laughs) don't get up you might pass out and Jesus says listen not only can she get up and walk around but she needs to eat something probably been a while since she had eaten something. Wow. I think this is the most important line from today's sermon. Because Jesus gave that little girl her life back because she had been dead. But Jesus gave that woman her life back because she hadn't been able to live for 12 years. And here's what's so important. You don't have to be dead to have Jesus give you your life back. Whew, a lot more amens in the last service. I like you people. I thought the last service, they need to recognize good preaching when they hear it, all right? (laughs) Think about this. You don't have to be dead for Jesus to give you your life back. You can be in jail and turn your life around. You can be in church and turn your life around. You can decide, I'm going to be desperate because I don't like where I am today. I want my life to be restored. I don't want to be that nasty bathtub, that nasty kitchen. I want to be restored. I want my life restored by the Savior of the world. In fact, I don't even want to be just who I used to be in Christ. I want to be better than I've ever been. Wow, why not? (laughs) Pastors had too much caffeine today. I don't know what's going on, man. Sometimes humans are dead on the inside, but like a tree, you don't see it until you get past the outer branches. And you go, man, what's going on in here? You got to come back to life. And only the author of life can bring you back to life. I think today is a day for some people to say, Lord, I need my life back. I'm desperate, and I don't care what anybody else says or thinks. I need a touch from you. I'm going to ask you if everybody could just stand where you are all across this room. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me for a moment. I just want to ask you just to listen for the voice of the Spirit of God. I think there's a few things that you need to hear and that God might want to be speaking. Listen, the Holy Spirit is speaking during this time. Would you please focus in at home, online, in the room? Come on, listen. You don't want to miss the voice of the living God. He wants to restore. He wants to renew you. And you don't want to miss it. Let me remind you of this. There are some things in your life that are worth being desperate for. Yeah. It's okay to be desperate. God wants you to be desperate. I need to be free from this vice in my life. And I'm desperate. I'm a respected member I have a church, I'm a leader, but I got an addiction I need help with. Some things are worth being desperate for. What is worth being desperate for in your life? Listen, some of you, you feel like maybe you're zigzagging around and you don't know really if this is, you're accomplishing your purpose. Or maybe you're, you're near retirement or retiring and, and you're trying to figure out, do I have purpose and meaning? If you're impacting people, your life has significance. Be a man of prayer, a woman of prayer. Look to be used by God everywhere you go. Man, the people who are close to Jesus, they saw the miraculous that others didn't see. Press in to the Lord. Listen, when things go wrong, you continue to do what is right. Maybe you're here today and there's, you're like, there's things that are beyond me. Yeah, of course there is, but they're not beyond the Lord. Perhaps today God is saying to you, I want you to be a man of power and compassion. He's speaking to you and saying the most important moment of your day is not even on your schedule. There's an interruption coming, and if you'll walk with me, you'll be ready for it, recognize it. It is the most important moment of the week. And it's not on your schedule. And I think more powerful than anything else. You don't have to be dead for Jesus to give you your life back. and ask if you're here today and you just feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking directly to you God is talking to you during this time in this gathering and this service and if you're live, I want to ask you just to raise your hand really high and just hold it up for a minute go ahead all over this room Pastor God is speaking to me I know it I sense it I feel it I'm responding to him yeah anybody want to join perhaps half the room with their hands raised anybody else okay you can put it down at home, if you're responding to the Lord, listen, there's a chat box. You can say, I'm raising my hand virtually. And you can even go and ask for prayer. And I'm going to pray for you online and for you present right here, right now. Oh man, there's somebody here. You used to be respected for your faith, and you're not respected any longer, and you miss that respect you once had. And God wants you to get desperate and get it back. He wants you to be a respected member of his church and get back in and serve and lay your life down for his kingdom. Lord, today, we are so grateful that you restore our lives. Jesus, nothing is beyond you. You give people their lives back who should become statistics, who are incarcerated, and and traumas happened in their lives, and you give people their lives back who have addictions and afflictions, and you give our lives back when we've messed up our finances, and we messed up our relationships. And Lord, you interrupt us, and you interrupt us with hope, and you can still heal, and nothing is beyond you. Lord, for that person who's here and things have gone wrong, I pray, God, that they would respond and they would do what's right. Lord, that person who's here and they're wondering if they have significance, God, that they would serve you and impact the lives of people more than things. Lord, somebody's here and they're like, I just need to restart my whole life over. I'm desperate. God, there's somebody here. Lord, honestly, they're just afraid to be desperate. They don't want to draw any attention to themselves. And we understand that. But Lord sometimes there's things in our life that are worth being desperate for and give us courage to be that man or that woman who's desperate for you who's desperate for a miracle and is willing to press in to lean in and to get aggressive about their faith God we don't want to lull people to sleep and be nice until we die there's too much on the line for the kingdom So, Lord, today, all across this room, come into our lives, be our leader, be our forgiver. And Holy Spirit, empower us for the life we're supposed to have. Restore us and bring us to life. And Lord, for the person who thought that they don't need to rest and they don't need to eat right and they don't need to to hydrate and get get sleep and spend time replenished in prayer if you did that for your life then we need it too so we respond to you god thank you for being here today in jesus name amen amen man isn't god on the move i love what he's doing i love the presence the anointing if you uh, if you are pressing into the Lord, and you want to stick around, spend some time in prayer. The altar is yours. Come hang out in the front. If you want to hang out in the back, you can go talk or in the lobby. Do that as well. Right? God bless you. Invite someone to church with you next week.